I have good news and bad news for you. <laughs> Do you want the good news or the bad news first? The good news is he is risen. Bad news is Pat's hands were not on the organ while it was making all that noise. <laughs> if nothing else, let that be a lesson in, in two things. One, uh, as a church, we don't try to get things perfect. We try to worship Jesus who is perfect and makes us perfect. And so I'm very thankful for the great work of musicians and Pat's tireless playing of the organ, but it's a helpless feeling for it to be doing something that you're not telling it to do. <laughs> so, uh, and the church is not bound by what instruments it has or has not to use. Guess what? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So no matter what else happens today here in this sanctuary or in your lives, let that be a lesson. Things might not go as perfectly as you want them. They don't need to be because He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about that story from Luke. And there's one verse in particular uh, that's really kind of chewed at my heart, and that is this. The women go to the tomb, and they hear the news that Jesus is risen from the dead, and then they go back and tell the disciples, and it's verse 11. It says, the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Or another translation says, it seemed to them an idle tale. When the disciples, the disciples first hear that Jesus is risen, they don't believe because it sounded like nonsense. Why is that? That's what I want to spend some time talking about this morning, but I want to back up before we get back to this. So back up to the beginning. On that first Easter Sunday morning, early, very early in the morning, the women who've been following Jesus, seen His whole ministry, they go to the tomb. Why? To give Jesus a respectful burial. He was crucified on Friday, and it was close to Friday evening when Jewish Sabbath begins, no work, and so they couldn't bury Him properly. And then they had to wait all Saturday and sit in their grief and in their despair. And then Sunday, they get up early, and they take the burial spices, and they go quickly to the tomb. But when they get there, the stone, the big burial stone, it's like a, a giant stone pizza, a flat stone that you'd roll in front of the large tomb. It was already rolled away, and they go, oh, that, well, that's strange. So they slowly go into the tomb, and, and they find that Jesus' body isn't there. And they say, well, that." That's even stranger. And they start to look around and they ask each other, well, what's going on here? And then two angels appear to them and scare them and they fall to the ground. And then one of them says to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Well, there's a really good reason they're there. It's because they're looking for a dead person. If anything is certain in the world, it's that dead people stay dead. Unless, of course, you've seen the new Star Wars trailer, but don't get me started on that this morning. <laughs> Life 101 tells us the dead stay dead. But then they get this news from the angel that challenges everything they know about this to be true. And he says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember, he told you. While you were still with him up in Galilee, he told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners. He'll be crucified and on the third day be raised. And then, light bulb goes on, and they go, oh yeah, he, 
He did say that. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to us at the time. So then the women leave and quickly go back to where the disciples are, and they're excited to tell them. And they go and tell the disciples, Jesus, you'll never believe it. Jesus is alive. But then it says, they do not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The disciples just can't believe it. Why not? Why didn't they believe the women? There's a few possibilities. One is that if these women were known to be unreliable or untruthful, big if, let's test it for a minute. If you know someone who is prone to exaggerate or make something up or stretch the truth, yes, you might doubt what they say once in a while, particularly if they were the only witness to something. And so Luke mentions three by name plus others. He mentions Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, Joanna, and then others. He's trying to tell you something. People don't make up things like this in groups and keep their story straight unless it happened that way. And now, yes, it's also true that uh, women in this time were not treated with the same respect that God desires. And so some might have not thought a woman's word as reliable. But guess what? In Jesus' ministry, it's not the women who are getting things wrong, it's the men. It's the disciples who constantly don't understand, don't catch on. Jesus is telling his disciples, oh, you of little faith, don't you believe yet? It's the women following Jesus who are always faithful and reliable throughout the Gospels. And I think this argues for the truth of the story. You see, if the church wanted to make up a resurrection story at a later date, try to fool people, they would never have made women to be the first and only first witnesses, unless, of course, they were, and that's how it happened. That still doesn't answer, though, why don't the disciples believe them? Why do they think it's nonsense? Why do they doubt when these women have already been so faithful and reliable? I think... It's because to them, it simply sounds too good to be true. How is it possible? They know that dead people stay dead, and they doubt the women's words because they believe what they saw. They saw Jesus die. They saw that. They believe that's true. And they need better evidence that he's alive. They saw their future nailed to the cross. They saw their hopes and dreams in the last three years of following him. They saw all that bleed and die. That is real. And now to hear he's alive, that that just doesn't make any sense. In fact, it sounds too good to be true. And I think if we're honest, that's probably where you and I get stuck a lot of the time too. I wonder today how many of us maybe just deep down think Easter sounds too good to be true. I wonder how many or how often we want to believe that good wins in the end, but sometimes we're just not so sure, and maybe it does sound too good to be true. You want to hear that that death is defeated, but you wonder. You hear the word that Jesus is risen, He's alive, yet you have been depressed for months and, and wonder if it's ever going to get any better. And so you're here today and you wonder, is this too good to be true? Or maybe it's that your, your divorce is still fresh and the wound is sore and the, this resurrection and new life stuff, it just might seem too good to be true. 
Or you're holding your fear in your heart and your anxiety meds in your hand and, and maybe this resurrection thing just seems too good to be true. Or after all the suffering and abuse that you've went through, you just wonder if God really does care at all. You see, I wonder if, if there's a peace in all of us that, that wonders that. Is this too good to be true? Is this Easter stuff the cosmic version of that robocall that says, congratulations, you've won a million dollars. And everybody says, yeah, right. So Peter wants to get to the bottom of this, and he hears the words, and he doubts, but then he's like, I'm going to go and figure it out. So he runs to the tomb, and then he sees everything just as the women described it, and he figures it out, believes, and it says he walks away marveling at what had happened. And then, of course, you keep reading in Luke, they, they do, Jesus does physically appear to them many times, and they do see him. But in this moment, this doesn't make total sense, but he realizes it's true. It's like Peter saying, I don't really know what entirely is going on here, but, but it, it's true. Jesus is alive. This, this really might seem too good to be true, but it really is true. And if you follow the lives of the disciples, Peter and the others, they don't just go from doubt to some bland baseline belief like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that happened, but I don't worry about that anymore. They go from doubt to marveling to knowing that this is absolutely true and it reorients their entire lives and they dedicate the rest of their lives to telling everyone else that Jesus Christ rose for you. You see, they risk their lives, they all suffer, and almost every one of them is killed because they want you to know this today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. The good news of Easter means that whatever is wrong with the world will one day be overcome by what's right with the world, Jesus. So it means that poverty and injustice and hunger will end and things like hearing terrible news of uh, churches being bombed in Sri Lanka overnight and hundreds dead and wounded, things like that will one day end. And that might seem too good to be true, but guess what? He is risen. He is risen indeed. The good news of Easter means that whatever you have lost, you will get back. The loved one that you laid in the ground this year, or the hand that you held while they suffered through another treatment, or the pain that you still carry in your heart, one day the great healer will come and heal every pain and every disease for all eternity for those who trust him because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The good news of Easter also means that your deepest, darkest sins, they are completely known by God, but they are also completely forgiven. They were nailed to the cross with Jesus on Friday, and today he walks out and extends those powerful hands of forgiveness and righteousness, giving that to you, because he is risen. He is risen indeed. The good news of Easter means that your King Jesus died and rose for you. And so no matter what else happens to uh, the organ or to our lives or to anything, guess what? It's still good because He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.